Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now and ever in the ages of all ages, Amen. So as you remember, for those of you who were here last week, the church gave us the same message last week as well, but from St. Luke's version. This morning we read St. Mark's, now we read St. Matthew. So when the church emphasizes a message, there must be a point that is really essential to be emphasized. And I believe one of the points that we want to, and I think the Lord wants to lead us towards, is to think of how the spiritual life and the desire for holiness or the desire for spiritual things does not come automatically. Even though we were designed or created in the image of God, that does not always mean that we were going to immediately desire these things due to the corruption that entered into the world by the fall of Adam and Eve. So God has put eternity into our hearts, kind of like what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, but the fall of man led man to no longer desire these things as would have been normal. And therefore the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, was for that purpose, to restore and renew all things, to, to restore His image in us. Again, that image that is from the heart outwards, from inside out, that heart that would desire again these things. So we have to acquire these things. Everyone knows what the meaning of an acquired taste is. I mean, you've probably tasted foods, and maybe at first you didn't like their taste, but trying them again a couple of times, you started to actually like the taste. And in this case here, there's a similarity that we want to point out. Our spiritual life requires a little bit of an effort to begin to acquire the taste for the heavenlies. Even King David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste for yourself. He said, no one can convince you, no matter how much I tell you, Honey tastes good, and I described to you the flavor of honey. No matter what, unless you've tasted it, you don't know for yourself until you've tried it for yourself. And we have been convinced by this approach on many things in life. We've tasted many things in life simply through peer pressure, uh, quote-unquote, everyone else is doing it. Uh, I need to try it too. You have to try for yourself. So we've experimented with all kinds of things in this world. Some good, some not so good. Substance abuse, all kinds of things that have led us perhaps further and further away from the mark. Simply because we said, oh, come on, try it. You're going to like it. We've been told these things in the past by people who are not necessarily godly or caring for their salvation or ours. But when David says, taste and see that the Lord is good, it's because he's really pointing us towards something that is worth your attention, that is worth our attention. So in the parable, you notice the types of soil and the seed is the word of God and so on. I want to focus particularly on the fact that some seed fell among thorns. We want to focus on what these thorns are. The thorns grew up and choked them. So the seed is the word of God, so it's always good. It's not there, sorry. one oh, there you go so 
Some seed fell among thorns. The seed was good. The word was good, being the seed. The soil was potentially good. There was a potential for growth there. But within that planting, within those things, grew up thorns. And the Lord explains that in detail. St. Luke writes that the thorns are the distractions and the cares and the lusts of this world and the things that preoccupy a person, that lead him or her to be unable to reach maturity. And that's why it says, some fell among thorns, the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Now the Lord explains it, like we said, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, so they hear. They have heard go out, so they go out with the word, they have heard. It's kind of like we've, let's say, read our Bible this morning, we went to liturgy this morning, we attended the, the gospel this morning, we heard a word on the gospel this morning, so we hear, we take it, we go. But then something happens. There's a choking that happens. The word gets choked up or choked by cares, riches, and pleasures of life. And brings no fruit to maturity. Now, is it that the Lord does not want, to enjoy, want you to enjoy your life? That's not the point. Life is to be enjoyed in Him. Without Him being at the center of it, there's no full fulfillment of that enjoyment. There will always be something lacking because you are created in the image of God. You're crea created to desire eternity. That's your heart. That's how you're, regardless of what part of the world you come on, whatever walk of life you're from, inside you, you're created to desire greater than what this earth has to offer. And that's why no matter how many things people taste and try and try again and experiment with and go for again and again and again and again, so they might even develop a negative addiction towards it. It's never enough. No one who has experienced the misery and the torment of being bound to the tyranny of addiction can tell you they've ever been satisfied. Their satisfaction is momentary. It disappears like vapor. And they're never saying that's enough. They need again and again. And every time it's worse and worse because the tolerance increases the need increases, but the satisfaction decreases. So they try lower and lower, lower debased forms of whatever substance or addiction it is, and it leads them to a depraved mind and destroys their joy. That's why the Lord says there's potential if you would take the time to hear Him. That's why at the end of the Gospel, He said, what? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He says it all the time. He says it throughout the parables, throughout the Gospels. He says it to every single church in the book of Revelation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what is it? That, what are these distractions? What are these thorns? What are these pleasures and cares that choke up the word in our heart, that prevent us from growing in the joy of what the Lord Jesus died for to give us? What is it? What is it? How is it that we can be so taken away by something so much lesser in value compared to the greatness offered to us. Let's think about it a bit. The Lord says in Luke as well, later in another passage, He says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. So the whole planet is after. What am I going to eat after liturgy? What am I going to drink today? What am I going to do? When am I going to sleep? When am I going to wake up? What's for breakfast? What's for lunch? What's for dinner? 
Your father knows that you need these things, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. When the heart chooses to acquire a taste for the kingdom, a taste for something greater, a taste for something holier, then something begins to change and the, the taste buds of our heart or of our soul begin to seek something else. There begins to be something of a new nature and a new acquired desire in our hearts that leads us away from the negativity and the mundane to, wait a minute, this is not worth it. What, am I, what have I been doing with my life? Kind of like the prodigal son who went away with his father's money, lived prodigally, was thinking he had it all together, and then he realized he had nothing. And as he realized that he had nothing, he began to be in want in his heart, not only in want for hunger before, but even then the want for greater things began to sprout. He started to say, wait a minute, my father's servants have food to eat and to spare, and I'm perishing with hunger. Let me go back to my father. It's not just about food and drink here. It's about that, the shelter, the love, the protection, the identity, the assurance, the completion that is given in his father was gone. And he found himself absent from this reality. And because of that absence, he started to seek greater. So the Lord is telling us the same thing. If you're going to pray today, the next time you will pray in any moment now, the Lord's Prayer. There are many requests you make in the Lord's Prayer. One of those requests is, Thy kingdom come. And we've spoken about this multiple times because it's extremely important. If we truly desire the kingdom to come, if we truly begin to say, Lord, may your kingdom come in my heart, may you reign on the throne of my heart, then that anxiety and the desire for lesser will start to dissipate. And I'll start to desire greater and holier things. And that's a promise from above. That's what is given to us from above. St. Paul tells us we desire. That each one of you, so St. Paul is telling each and every one of us, I want you to picture St. Paul when speaking these words, that he's not sitting on some sort of high throne looking down on us. He's practically on his knees begging us. And that's the picture I want you to imagine of St. Paul. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. Acquiring that taste will take time. It will take some effort. Don't be sluggish. Don't get lazy halfway. Keep going. Imitate those who through what? Faith and patience. Faith and patience inherit the promises. He goes on to say in the same passage, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. This is God promising you by himself. He said, Surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now we know that context is Abraham and the promise of receiving Isaac. But for you and I, it's the promise of receiving Jesus. Receiving Christ our Lord in our hearts. Receiving what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is the promise that awaits you. That's what we're going to say in a moment when we recite the creed of the faith. We're going to say we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. This is what we're looking forward to. But keep your faith and your patience. Endure in that sense. 
knowing that within all that, there will be hidden comforts and strengthenings and graces that will accompany you all along the way, even until it is time for you to depart this world to your eternal rest, to the eternal glory, to the eternal joy, eternal holiness. The Lord says something interesting, and you've seen this parable before. He says, new wine must be put into new wine skins, and both are preserved. This is from a parable. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. I want to focus on the old is better. Again, the thorns that are choking up our souls, preventing the word of God from blooming and maturing in our hearts, till we truly are restored fully in His image and likeness, are partly because there is an attraction, a captive, captivity, uh, redirecting our hearts and our eyes and our minds and our souls to other things. And we are so convinced that these other things are for me, are for us, that we cannot even imagine that letting go of these things can be replaced with something better and greater. More joyful. We can't imagine. No, no, no. I, how can I let this go? I love this so much. This, this material, this thing, this matter, this substance, this habit, whatever you want to call it, this lifestyle, I love it so much. I am so fixated on it every day. Like I wake up in the morning, I think about it. I go to sleep at night, I'm thinking about it. It's constantly hovering over my mind and heart. How could anything replace this? I deceive myself by saying that. I convince myself by saying that, that the old is better, but the new, which is the best, which is the better, that is yet to come, is far greater. That's why the Lord says, try, taste, taste the new wine, taste and see. It's going to take you a while to acquire the flavor for it, the taste for it. You're still going to be, well, I miss this, I like this. It's kind of like when... The fasting season comes along, like Advent is going to start next Sunday. And we have fasting Wednesdays and Fridays. And we find ourselves, the eve of any fast, I'm going to miss eating this particular food. Taste and acquire something different. Wait, it's going to take a few days to adjust. But you will adjust. We adjust very rapidly if we give ourselves the chance. We are very adaptable people as human beings created in the image of God. We are able to adapt. But give the, the new wine a chance. Give yourself, give your heart, your soul a chance to acquire a taste for the new. Remember how the Lord said, Behold, I make all things new. He says, newness of life. That word new, St. Paul uses it as well. Newness of life. Things that are new. These new things are not something that one person can stand in front of you at a pulpit on Sunday and convince you of. It's not going to be sufficient. Whatever I can say today here is not enough to convince you. You, however, have the will, the Holy Spirit willing at all times to work with your will to enable this development of a greater taste for something better and more eternal. Again, like we said earlier, David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see. Taste and see for yourself. I want to leave you with this passage here. A couple of things from the book of Song of Songs. And it's called, in chapter 2, something about the little foxes. It says, Catch us the foxes. 
the little foxes that spoil the vines. You want to call these foxes the thorns. They're exactly the same thing. Catch us the thorns, the little thorns that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Inside your heart, there's a vineyard, rich. And it has potential to bloom great fruits to the Holy Spirit. Things that you would not even imagine you had the possibility to be and to live by and to walk in. It's all there in your heart. It's all there. Catch those thorns and foxes that spoil that. There's a nice reminder here I found that I thought to share with you. It says, the first risings of sinful thoughts and desires. The pay attention, please, to every word in there. The first risings of sinful thoughts and desires. The beginnings of trifling pursuits which waste the time. Think of the things that waste our time. Small departures, little departures from the truths. In other words, little compromises with the truth. Allowing some conformity to the world. Yet St. Paul says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, all these and many more are little foxes which must be removed. Or little thorns which must be removed before they grow larger spread and become fatal to the church. Fatal to the church. The church as us, all of us, the body of Christ in the world. The church as your family. The church as your home. The church as your soul. They can ruin your soul if left unattended. Anyone that's into lawn care and gardening, they don't wait for those weeds to spread. They're there every single morning on their knees, hands and knees, picking out dandelions and weeds lest they spread and ruin their lawn. If only we can get on our hands and knees the same way in prayer, requesting the grace of God in our hearts every morning, like we would to pull out dandelions from lawn that won't last forever anyway. If only we had that. It's like anything that is left unattended grows, good or bad. Ask yourself, what am I leaving unattended in my heart? What is left unattended? that is spoiling my heart, choking the word in my heart. What thorns or foxes are roaming in my heart? Ask yourself honestly. No one else can do it for you. The priest, the bishop, the pope, the Sunday school teacher, the servant, the deacon, none of them can do it for you. Only you and Jesus, one on one. Do it for yourself. Pay yourself this favor by doing that and eliminate the choke, the thorns and the foxes that are spoiling the heart, keeping the word from maturing. There's a, there's a saying from the fathers once that uh, an elder father sent, went out with his disciples. And they found, and he, he wanted to teach them a little lesson on this. And he said, pull this weed out for me from the ground. So of course it took a second to pluck it out. Then they went on, pull this little, you know, shrub from the ground, this bush. With a bit of effort, they played with it, yanked it, pulled it out. Keep going. Pulled this larger bush. Took a couple of minutes to get out of it. And they were breaking a sweat. They walked and walked on. They got to this huge tree. Pulled this out for me. They looked at him and said, we can't pull this out. Exactly, he said. You can't pull this out. You can, but it's going to take you a lot of effort. Why wait till it becomes an oak tree in my heart when I can just pluck it out as a weed? That's why as soon as there's the risings, the beginnings... Any departure from the truth, any conformity to what is not from God, 
remove it immediately. Do not wait. The Jesus prayer is there for that. The Psalms, the prayers, lifting up your heart. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Uproot from my heart anything that is alien to your purity. You can say that in a second. You can say that while you're driving. You can say that in front of your screen. You can say that in front of your tablet. You can say that while on your phone. You can say that while you're sitting there right now. You can say it 24-7. Please, please say it. Remind yourself of that. St. James tells us, therefore be patient, brethren. Again, faith and patience until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart. Be patient. St. Paul tells us the mind governed for the by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Well, in other words, he who is spiritually minded lives. He who is carnally minded dies. Again, it's a request from the Lord to give us that acquiring of that taste. And it's amazing what the Lord will begin to do if you let Him. It is amazing what the Lord will begin to do if you let Him. It says here, Lord, St. John Chrysostom says, Lord, being human, I sin. But you being God, have mercy on me. Lord, take heed of the weakness of my soul and help me with your grace that your holy name may be glorified in me. Very simple prayer and a truth. This is all to lead you to the mature heart that will enter the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness and peace and joy. These are things that you acquire a taste for. You acquire a taste for righteousness, for peace, for joy. May God grant us that desire. And may the Lord remind you that He is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.